hello everybody. Uh, my name is John. I'm the lead pastor, and I am so glad that you guys are able to uh, hang out with us uh, this morning. Uh, so, uh, starting back uh, at the beginning of the year, and really for most of this coming year, uh, we're talking about the idea of discipleship, uh, the idea of following Jesus. Uh, and the way in which we've defined it is the way that Jesus defined it. And so, a disciple is someone who actually obeys everything that Jesus commanded. And so this isn't just the idea of believing in Jesus, although that can be a thing. Uh, This isn't the idea of just like liking the idea of Jesus. Uh, This is the idea of looking at the way in which Jesus lived his life, looking at the things that Jesus actually said, the things he taught, and saying, I'm going to try to obey everything that he commanded. That's the way in which I'm going to try to live my life. Uh, And Jesus talked about this idea on a pretty regular basis. Uh, At the end of a famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, uh, he talked about this idea. Uh, He said that it's everyone who does the will of my Father. That's what I'm really looking for. It's not just believing in, but the idea of actually doing. Uh, And then at the very end of the Sermon on the Mount, he says, therefore, Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice actually tries to live them out. Uh, And so for this particular instance, Jesus is talking about the Sermon on the Mount. So Jesus taught lots of different things. Uh, But here's just some of the things that Jesus taught that he wants us to obey uh, in the Sermon on the Mount, the ones I can fit on the slide. So he wants us to settle matters quickly with your adversary. Uh, He wants us to not lust. He wants us to tell the truth, wants us to love our enemies, to give to the needy, to pray, to forgive others, to not store up treasures on earth, to not worry, to not judge. And the list goes on and on of these great things that Jesus taught us to do. Uh, And here's my guess, is that if you've taken the time to be here this morning, you're at least interested in that idea. You're interested in trying to apply those teachings to your life. And the reason is, is because you see some sort of a benefit, that there's something that you think, if I were to do that, then that would be advantageous to me sometime, somehow in my life. And so as we get started, uh, I would like you to have a little discussion about this. And so for you personally, as you look at these teachings of Jesus, what are the benefits that you see that if you were to actually live these things out in your life, and for that matter, if everyone in your family, if everyone in your office, if everyone at school, uh, if everyone that you interacted with on a normal basis, if everyone in our city of 98,000 people, if everyone was regularly trying to obey everything that Jesus commanded, what would the benefit to that be. Uh, so I'm going to give you a couple minutes. Uh, find someone. If you uh, happen to be sitting alone, make sure you find someone to discuss with and take a few minutes and discuss for you personally, what's the benefit of doing this? So uh, you can put the uh, list of the Sermon on the Mount things up there again so you can look at those. You might know some other teachings of Jesus. What is the benefit for you? Go ahead and share that with someone around you.
Last night put the heavy on me Woke up and I'm feeling lonely This world got a way of showing me Some days it'll lift you up Some days it'll call you bluff Man, most of my days I ain't got enough And all I know Is you're my only hope all right, like one more minute. I'd love to give you like a half an hour, but I think I can another minute. So uh, what are some of the benefits that you heard at your table that you thought, ah, oh, that, that's a good one? Uh, shout them out. Generosity. Generosity. Yeah, how great would that be if just like everyone you knew was like, no, I, I got the check this time. No, I got it. It's fine. Yeah, pretty great. Uh, what are some of the benefits? You feel safe good. Yeah, you just feel safe and not, yeah, can you imagine like if every community you walked into, like, no, no one here is judgmental. Like, I, I'm good. Like, I can wear this. It's fine. Yeah. How cool would that be? Uh, what's another one? Less stress. Less stress. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, just think of, like, all the issues that, like, lust and anger and debt and, like, get you into. Like, that was just like, huh, be pretty nice. Someone else had their hand up. Yeah, Charles. Self-liberation. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, so many good things. And so... So many good benefits, I think, of following Jesus. I think that if everyone followed Jesus, my opinion, I guess from the preacher, it'd be a really good thing. Here's the question I want to discuss today, though, is if following Jesus is so good, then why isn't everybody doing it? Why isn't everyone just like chasing after those things as much as they possibly can? Even though those things aren't necessarily easy. Why isn't everybody just on board? You know, why isn't everybody at a church this morning trying to learn, oh, how can I learn how to better be like Jesus? What is stopping people? Uh, or another way to say it is, what's, what's the catch? If following Jesus is so good, then what's kind of, and this isn't, all that a bunch of a trick question. This is the same thing for really anything that's good in our life. Uh, we understand the benefit of flossing our teeth. We understand the benefit of sleeping eight hours a day. We understand the benefit of dieting, of exercising. We understand the benefit of saving money. But oftentimes we don't do it because there's something else that's just tempting us. It's difficult. They say, 
I would have to reprioritize my life in such a way, I would have to get rid of so many other things that I want to do in my life if I were to do these things that I know, that I'm already convinced would be good for me. Uh, and so we're going to look at a famous teaching of Jesus today where he describes that exact idea. Uh, this is recorded in uh, three, so there's four different accounts of the story of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. This is recorded in three of them, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and we're going to look at Matthew's rendition of it today. So here's how it starts. It says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, and this is just important for us to understand the idea of discipleship. Uh, that this is just what disciples did. Disciples went everywhere that their rabbi went. And so these guys are following Jesus wherever he goes. So if Jesus goes to Jerusalem, they go to Jerusalem. If Jesus goes off into the wilderness, they go off into the wilderness. If Jesus goes to Caesarea Philippi, then Jesus looks behind him and there his disciples are. Because everywhere he goes, that's just what the disciples do. They just are following in the footsteps of their teacher. And there was lots of different disciples that were following different rabbis. But these disciples especially were following Jesus because they had this, like, hunch about him. Uh, So it goes on. It says, who do people say, this is Jesus asking, who do people say the Son of Man is? And they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. There was kind of this buzz about Jesus, that Jesus wasn't just like another teacher, another rabbi, that there's like something extra special about him. And so some people are thinking maybe he's like the reincarnated version of one of these like Jewish celebrities, and maybe that's who he is. But Jesus said, all right, that's what other people are saying. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say that I am? Uh, And one of the guys, Peter, uh, stood up and said, Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And this would have been a big deal for them because the idea of Messiah had lots of weight behind it. And so when they thought of Messiah, uh, they thought of a conquering hero. That's who a Messiah is going to be. They thought of a champion. They thought of a king. They thought of a liberator, a miracle worker. And it was big for them that they were following someone who was going to be those things or was those things. But for them, as disciples, this was extra special because the idea of a disciple was that you were going to learn to obey and do everything that your rabbi did. So if you were following a rabbi as a disciple and your rabbi was the Messiah and he was going to be the conquering hero someday, then that meant you were going to be a conquering hero someday. That if you were following this guy, if he was going to be a champion, you were going to be a champion. If this guy was a king, you were going to be a king. All the things that were associated with your rabbi, you were going to become those things yourself. Uh, And Jesus builds into this idea. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father in heaven. And now let me tell you about you, you person who's chosen to follow me. I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. This, just, this isn't just what I'm going to do. This is what you are going to do. I'm not just like have the keys to the kingdom here. I'm giving them to you. It wasn't just that Jesus had this like extra special connection with God, 
But if you were following Jesus and you were his disciple, then you were going to have that same, exact as what Jesus had, it was possible for you, same connection with God. That it wasn't just that Jesus was able to teach these like amazing ways of wisdom and if everyone lived this way. But if you were following Jesus, you were going to be able to be a teacher like that. And it wasn't even, this might be weird for some of us, it wasn't just that Jesus was going to have the ability to be like a miracle worker and supernatural, but if you were following Jesus, then you were going to have that ability. Uh, Jesus once said that you're going to do the things that I've done, and you're going to do even greater things than those. And so as they're sitting there, they're looking at their Messiah, and they have this feeling of like, Man, following Jesus is awesome. Like, Jesus is awesome, and the more we keep following him, the more we follow him wherever he goes, the way we learn from him, the more we keep applying the things that he's teaching us, then we're going to become just like him. We're going to become kings. We're going to become conquerors. Like, we're going to be a big, big deal. So again, the question would be, if following Jesus is so good, if you, could, if you get all of this great stuff from following Jesus, why wasn't everybody following Jesus? What, well, what's the catch? And that's what Jesus will talk about next. Uh, from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed. And the disciples are sitting there and they think, well, if, if the guy I'm following as a disciple, if he is going to suffer, if he is going to be killed, then that means that as his disciple, then I am going to suffer. And I am going to be killed. And so Peter steps in again, and he pulls Jesus off to the side. And Peter said, uh, Jesus took him aside and began to rebuke him. And said, never, Lord. He said, this shall never happen to you. Because here's the deal. If this happens to you, then that means it's going to happen to me. And I like this idea of following you around and you do a miracle and it's kind of like a big deal and we're like celebrities for a second. And then you know, someday you know, I'm going to get to do a miracle and like, I'm going to be a big, like, I, I like that whole thing. I like that we get to, like, you're going to be the king of Israel someday, that's what I believe. And like, I'm going to be like a king with you. Like, that sounds great. But that whole idea of suffering, dying, ooh, I, I don't want to do that. And that means that you can't do that. Because I've committed to follow you wherever you go. And so if you walk into suffering, then that means that I have to walk into suffering. And then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple, whoever wants to keep following me, whoever wants the, the benefits of following me, must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Uh, let me take a second to just describe each of these ideas. Uh, the idea of denying themselves, denying yourself. Uh, I think most of us understand this fairly intuitively from the way in which we live different parts of our life. There's things that every once in a while that we don't do. We say no to ourselves, even though there's a part of ourselves that's like, ah, I'd really, really like to do that. There's another part of us that steps in and says, yeah, but... You need to say no to yourself right now so that you can do this other thing. And so someone comes and says, hey, would you like a bowl of ice cream? And you say, yes, I would. No, 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 no. I do want a bowl of ice cream, but because of 
the weight I'm trying to lose, because of the diet I'm trying to keep. In this moment, I'm going to choose to deny myself. Uh, You walk into the store, you see something that's a great buy, and you're like, oh, I didn't even know that existed, but I think I should buy it now. And you go, oh, no, 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 I I shouldn't buy that because I'm trying to save money, I'm trying to be generous, I'm trying to stay on a budget. And so even though, yes, I want it, but I'm going to deny myself what I want because of this bigger thing I'm trying to do. I think most of us get that idea. But this other one of take up their cross. Uh, When a lot of us hear that, I think we jump forward in the story a couple months uh, to when Jesus would be crucified on a cross uh, and would really be kind of the ultimate deny yourself, uh, putting his own comfort, putting his own life aside for a bigger purpose. And I think Jesus would have had that in mind, and definitely as they read this throughout the centuries, they would have had that in mind. But as they were sitting there that day, Jesus hadn't died on a cross yet. So when they heard that idea of take up your cross, uh, what I think they were thinking of is the crosses that they see all over their country. Uh, as they were walking to uh, Philippi, Caesarea Philippi, they surely would have like, walked past multiple different crosses because the Roman Empire was great at crucifying people. And who the Roman Empire crucified was rebels. Uh, people who said, here's the way that the empire is going, and I'm going to choose to live a different way. I'm going to rebel against the empire. I'm going to rebel against Caesar. Uh, and for early Christian history, that was like a marching call of the early Christians, was they it was printed on their coins, Caesar is Lord. A common phrase in the empire was Caesar is Lord, whatever Caesar says to do, we're going to do. But a common call of the Christians was the reverse of Jesus is Lord. Yeah, here's the way the empire says we should go, but we believe that Jesus is telling us to go a different way. I think that's what they would have heard is, I want you to become a rebel. I want you to live a countercultural life. That everyone else in the empire might be doing this way. Everyone else that you see around you, here's what the law says to do, here's what Caesar says to do, but I am asking you to live a very countercultural, upstream, you know, walking against the current type way of life. And I want you to take up your cross, and I want you to follow me. And that's what makes following Jesus so difficult, (laughs) is that there's this part of, if I'm going to really follow Jesus and I have to deny myself, I have to live countercultural to the rest of the world. And I don't know about you, but I don't always like that. Uh, what I would love to do uh, when following Jesus, I would love to take my normal life, the way in which I'm already living my life, and just add Jesus. So I, I, I got my job, and I got my money, and I got the way I'm treating my body, and I got the way I'm treating other people, and it's got all these normal things, and now I'm just going try, to try to sprinkle some Jesus on top of that, but I still get to hold on to all this other stuff. Uh, let me give you some examples. Uh, and so, for instance, uh, I want to be generous. Of course, I was on the list. Like, of course, I, I, wanna, I love that idea of being generous, but I also still kind of want to be rich. Uh, I still want to buy the stuff that I want to buy. Like, I want to be generous, but if it's going to cost me getting that car I really want or getting that kitchen improvement, like, if somehow it means I have to, like, not get that thing, then, like, now generosity, if I can just be generous and have everything else, of course. But what's difficult to have to do both. Uh, I want to forgive. I love the idea of forgiving. But somehow, like, I also want to keep the moral superiority. Like, I, I, I want to, of course I want to forgive you, 
but I still want you to know that I was right and you're wrong. Uh, I still want to make sure that like everyone in the family knows like you're still the screw up. Like just so like, we're all clear, like I'm happy to forgive you, but I don't want to have to like lose anything in the process of this. Uh, or I want to be truthful. Of course, I love the idea of being truthful. I, I don't want to lie to other people. But I, don't, I don't want to get caught. Uh, I, I don't want to be so truthful that like my friends or my wife or my kids or my coworkers, like if I'm too truthful, it could really come back to bite me because there's some things I'm keeping secret on purpose. Of course, I want to be truthful, but if it's going to cost me too much. Uh, this one, I, I want deep relationships. We've been talking about that idea of in your groups, your one-on-ones, like the idea of like not having surface level relationships. I want that, of course, but like I also don't want to be like too vulnerable. Like I don't want to like air too much of my stuff because that's scary. Uh, this one, I, I want to be patient. Of course I do. But I don't have to, I don't have to wait. <laughs> uh, I don't want to have to like sit around. I, I, just, I want what I want now, of course. But like somehow just add patience on top of that. Is that possible? Uh, I want bandwidth in my life, but I don't want to have to say no. I love that idea of having margin. I love that idea of like, oh, I'm going to have a Sabbath day and I'm going to like, but if that means I have to say no to my boss, if that means I have to say no to that promotion, if that means I, I can't have my kids involved in quite as many sport leagues or school leagues, or like, of course, I want bandwidth in my life, but if it means I have to say no to some of these things that I want to do or I feel like I'm supposed to do, then that gets much more difficult. I, I want rest, but I, I don't want to s- stop. I, I don't know, even know how to. Uh, I want to be kind, uh, but I don't want people around me that agitate me. Of course, I want to be kind, but like, if I have to be kind and still go to that group where those people are, like, can, they, can I just be around all the people I like, and then I'll be super kind. Uh, can I be kind and still go to the people that God wants me to spend time with? Uh, I want to hear God's voice, but I don't want to be silent. I don't want to turn off the TV. I don't want to turn off the social media. I don't want to take that 10, 15 minutes in the morning and in the night to actually, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't want to like rearrange my schedule to make that time. I just somehow just want to like hear God's voice on top of all these other things in my life. In general, I, I want Jesus. I want all those benefits. But the idea of that, that means I have to rebel. That means I have to deny. That gets way more difficult. Uh, here's what an um, author that I uh, like a lot named uh, Sky Jitani, so he says, he says, my secret is that I want to be relevant and popular. I want my desires fulfilled and my pain minimized, of course. I want a manageable relationship with an institution rather than messy relationships with real people. I love that. I want to be transformed into the image of Christ by showing up at an entertaining events rather than through the hard work of discipline. I want to wear my faith on my sleeve and not look at the darkness in my heart. And above all, I want a controllable God. I want a divine commodity to do my will on earth as in heaven. I would like to be in charge of this whole deal. Uh, Or here's what Dallas Willard says. 
says, our mistake is to think that following Jesus consists in loving our enemies, going the second mile, turning the other cheek, suffering patiently and hopefully somehow just adding those things into our life while living the rest of our lives just as everyone around us does. The idea of what Jesus is talking about here is that you can't just add the teachings of Jesus somehow into our already crammed full life and somehow hold on to all this other stuff. That if we're going to actually live these things of Jesus, then we actually have to adopt the entire life of Jesus. That I have to walk look, spend time with other people, rearrange my schedule and my finances in the way of Jesus. Uh, Here's a a way in which uh, I think about it that applies to my life. Hopefully it'll make sense uh, to you guys too. Uh, So anyone know who this guy is? Yes. Who is he? That's Kipchoge. Yes, this is Elliot Kipchoge. Uh, Elliot Kipchoge is regarded as the greatest marathon runner Ever. Uh, this guy is incredible. Uh, a couple years ago, uh, Nike put together a plan. So people have been like brushing. Uh, times have gone down and down and down in the marathon. And so for a while to run like a 215 marathon, that was a big deal. And then to like run under a 210 marathon, that was a big deal. And people kept getting closer and closer to the idea of a two-hour marathon. And so Nike put together a group of some of the best runners in the world and said, we want to see if someone can actually be able to break a two-hour marathon. And over the last couple years, some of the greatest marathon times in history have been run uh, because of some of the work that this did. So part of what they did in the process of this was Nike created these what are called super shoes. Uh, And so these are amazing shoes, and Nike makes them, and other people make them now. They have a carbon plate that runs through them. They're incredibly light. And so when Kachobi attempted his two-hour marathon, he got very close. He was 11 seconds over. And then about a year later, he ended up breaking a two-hour marathon kind of unofficially. And he's broken two or three other world records since the advent of these shoes and some of the other greatest marathon runs in history have happened because these like amazing shoes are helping people go a little bit faster. And it's absolutely just amazing. But what's interesting to me is I run and so I go to lots of 5Ks, 10Ks, marathons, and you go to a lot of these races, and you will see swarms of these shoes. I mean, everybody is wearing these things, and these things aren't cheap. These are like $250 for a stinking pair of shoes. But it's interesting, like, you'll see some people up at the front that are obviously very good runners, but you'll see people, and this sounds judgy, I don't know another way to say it, but I'll see people that are wearing the shoes But to me, it doesn't seem like they've quite done all the rest of the training, if you know what I mean. And so every once in a while, I've run some marathons, and I've seen some folks that are like at mile 18, they're at mile 22, a marathon's 26 miles, they're at mile 24, and they're literally, I mean, they're on the curb, and they are out of gas. But they got the shoes. (laughs) Because their thought was, man, like, I mean, these shoes help Kachobi. Like, if I can just wear his shoes, then that, will, that, that is what is going to do the trick. And here's the deal, is the shoes do have a benefit. They're helpful. And I would argue that if you sprinkle any of the things of Jesus, if you try to be a little bit more generous, a little bit more yeah, it's going to have some benefit. But it's not going to really take the full effect unless you decide, I'm going to take on the lifestyle of Elliot Kachobi. I how he sleeps, I'm going to sleep. How he eats, I'm going to eat. 
no more of those donuts back there. Uh, that means uh, the, the way in which he trains every single day, not just for a couple days, not just for a couple weeks, not for a couple months, but for years I'm going to take on his lifestyle if I'm ever going to have a hope of trying to remotely run like him. And a part of that will be adding the shoes. And the same thing is true for following Jesus. That we can't just like add the little sprinkles of it on. We have to add the entire part of Jesus' life. Uh, what Jesus says is, whoever wants me to be my disciple, you must deny yourself. There's going to be all kinds of things that you're going to have to say no to. That there's a part of you that wants to say yes to. That you are tempted to do. There's going to be parts where you're going to have to take up your cross. Where you're going to have to say, everyone else in my neighborhood is doing that. Everyone else. And we're going to have to live this very counter-cultural way. And we're going to have to say, above anything else, I am going to follow Jesus. Uh, and we're going to attempt to make this uh, very, very practical. Because uh, I'm sure a lot of us have lots and lots of things. But I think for every single one of us, we can think of at least one thing, maybe a couple things in our life that we know, if I was going to really take this Jesus thing seriously, then that means I would have to start saying no to this other thing. Uh, I can't keep the same busy schedule I have and follow Jesus. Uh, I can't keep my drinking level and drinking as much as I do and really follow this Jesus thing. Uh, my, my social media habit and following Jesus, I, I think they're at odds. Uh, the way in which there's something in your life already that you feel like, I can't, what's standing in the way of me following Jesus is this other thing. Uh, and again, to make it practical, uh, we're going to take communion in a little bit. Uh, I'm going to ask you to write that thing down. Uh, and you don't have to put your name on it. Uh, we're not going to, uh, it's not one of those type of things. But on your table, there's some uh, uh, note cards. I just want to blank cards. And I ask you to think about the thing in your life that they, just as you've been listening for the last little bit, there's something in you that kind of wells up to say, this thing is going to have to be addressed somehow if I'm going to really follow Jesus. Uh, and as you keep thinking about that, let me keep sharing what Jesus uh, said. Uh, so Jesus again said, what kind of deal is it to get everything you want but lose yourself? What could you ever trade your soul for? Uh, and that's maybe a little bit clunky, but I think it kind of points to like the idea of this is there's there's so many things that we're trying to hold on to in life. And they just feel like, man, I, I want to get, I want to buy this thing. I want to get this promotion. I want to get this degree. I, I want to do this thing that in this moment feels like it's going to make me happy. But then once we actually get it, once, you know, the night's over, we kind of feel like I, I got what I was going for, but I feel like I've kind of lost myself in the process. And then Later on in life, maybe at the end of that night, maybe after a couple decades, there's a part of us that looks back and be like, if I could go back and like do a swap, if I could go back and trade somehow, I, I would trade all of that drinking to be able to like have my family back. Uh, I, would, I would trade, you know, all that money I spent on that thing. Like if I could go back and do it over again, like I, I, would, I would do it differently. 
If somehow I could go back, like, I, I think I would have said no to that promotion because I see what it cost me. Uh, looking back, I think I would have told the truth so much sooner. I mean, I kept that secret for so long, and I was so scared that if, once the truth came out, then that's what would make me lose. But actually holding on to that secret so long, I think that's what made me lose myself. And if I could go back and if I could make the trade, I would easily make that trade for my soul. Uh, That's what Jesus says. Whoever wants to be my disciple, if you're interested in this idea of following Jesus, then there's all kinds of, I would argue, so many benefits to it. But there's a part of it where you're going to have to deny yourself and pick up your cross and follow me. Uh, again, I hope this is very practical and like what we've been thinking about over the last uh, couple weeks. Uh, we uh, encouraged everyone to do a survey starting uh, two weeks ago uh, at our last uh, uh, time we got together. And the first part of the survey basically goes through the fruits of the Spirit. And so we believe one of the biggest benefits of following Jesus, Jesus says if you follow him, if you stay attached to the vine, then you're going to produce much fruit. And so if you're a disciple of Jesus, then you're going to be filled with what Craig talked about at the beginning, love, joy, peace, patience. And so we're asking you to take a survey right now just to be honest about that. How am I actually doing in loving? How am I doing in being patient? And for a lot of us, the thing that's holding us back from being as loving of a person as we can, is that there's something that first we need to deny. There's something that we need to rebel against with how we would normally do our life. And until we stop doing life in the same way that we've been doing it, instead of as we talked about last time, as long as we keep being insane, we keep trying to live exactly the same way, but somehow expecting different results, there's some things we're going to have to change about the way in which we go about every moment of our life so that we can actually tap into everything that it means to follow Jesus. Uh, uh, again, as Jesus says, uh, sorry, uh, as we get ready to um, take communion, uh, I want to make sure that uh, we're clear on just exactly like what we're talking about with this. I believe that Jesus wants you to live a full life. That's what we've been talking about. Jesus wants you to be his disciple, and when you follow him, that is truly the best way to live. Uh, But what I don't want you to hear is that somehow there's some sort of a, a step you need to take to be able to earn anything of what God is doing. And so when it comes to God's love and when it comes to God's forgiveness... That is already yours. You don't need to write anything down on a piece of paper. You don't need to give anything away. You don't need to change your lifestyle one bit to be able to get the forgiveness and love that God gives every single one of us. But what God is asking is for you to take a step to be able to experience all of what God wants you to be as a disciple of him. Uh, sorry, now you can put that uh, Romans 1 up there. Uh, so this is an early disciple of Paul. I'm sorry, a disciple of Jesus named Paul. It says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy. So like totally getting that like God already is giving you mercy. God already loves you. God has already to, forgiven you. What I want you to do is I want you to offer your bodies. And in this context, that's not just like your physical bodies. That's like everything that you are. That's your mind, your spirit, the way you spend your time, the way you spend your money. Would you be willing to offer that as a living sacrifice? So that's what we're asking you to do as we get ready to take communion.
is to write something down, not that you feel like God's like, God doesn't want to take it away from you. God wants you to offer it and say, I want you to be in charge of my money. I want you to be in charge of my time. I want you to be in charge. I I want to give this thing to you so that I can better worship you and better be a part of who you are. Uh, So we're going to have a little bit of music. Uh, What's that thing? What's that thing that there's something in your spirit right now that's whispering that for you to really step into who Jesus is calling you to do, you know that you might need to give up. And it might be costly. Uh, It might be something with your career. It might be something that's a conversation that's going to be incredibly difficult. It might be some sort of a habit that you've had for a long time that you know you need to change. It might be incredibly costly. That's the idea. But as you do, you're going to be able to better follow in the footsteps of Jesus who says that this is the best way to live. So let me pray. Uh, At any point uh, in uh, the next few minutes as you hear music, uh, if you want to come up to, there's a communion station over here on the left, one over here on uh, the right, and there's one in the back on the orange table. You can come up and take communion to remind you of how much Jesus loves you. And as you go and take communion, if you can just symbolically leave behind whatever you wrote on that card, uh, write something on your card and leave your card on the communion station. Say, if I'm going to really fully get this love that Jesus is giving me, then there's something I need to leave behind. So let me pray. And then you guys can think, reflect, and take that step. Uh, Jesus, so much easier to talk about than to actually live. Because, I mean, that list I shared, I mean, that's, that's, that's mine. I mean, I, I do. I do want all of the things. I want all the comfort and all the popularity and wealth and to live at discretion of what I want to share and what I don't want to share, to try to keep up this image management. But you're calling me to a self-sacrificial, very countercultural way of life. We just put everything else at your feet and say, above anything else, I'm going to follow you. Help us to live that way. Let me pray. Amen.